I reached a point where I was angry at Ron Paul and, and I realized at one point I was mad because they were being proven right and I was so wrong. An idea whose time has come cannot be stopped by any army or any government. The Other and Ron Paul Podcast starts now. Welcome to the Honor and Ron Paul Podcast. This is uh, Dr. Howard Grattan, and this is episode 29, 29. And with me today is Spike Cohen. Uh, Spike Cohen is the vice president, uh, soon to be vice president, but the vice presidential <laughs> candidate, along with Joe Jorgensen, who is on episode 27, I believe. And so I'm just very delighted to have you on and have both of you on. It's been uh, quite an honor. Um, and you know, everybody has uh, an interesting story uh, in how they came to hold kind of these aberrant views uh, because it's, you know, all of, almost all of social pressure, almost all of educational pressures are kind of away from uh, libertarianism. Right, right. And so I found this kind of later in life because of Ron Paul and uh, his uh, campaigns in 07 and 12. But uh, everyone has, a, I've, I've always fascinated also by people who kind of came in earlier and then were able to kind of see and anticipate the impact that Ron Paul might have right. on presidential runs. Yeah. So uh, where did you start? You're kind of a young guy. Yeah. So I actually, I was not one of the ones who foresaw what Ron did. I was one of the ones who came along begrudgingly after being very angry for many years of what, about what he was saying. So I actually started, and by the way, thanks for having me on Howard. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so I started off as a neocon actually. Uh, and just to give a little bit of perspective on that, I started a web design business when I was at, at 16, right? Like right before my 17th birthday back in 1999. And uh, when September 11th hit, uh, I had a fairly successful business, especially considering I was still a teenager. I was 19 and uh, I thought I knew everything. And I thought that I was, you know, the smartest person in the room because I was a young man with a business that was making money and I could afford to pay my way through life in my teens. And, you know, was, you know, I knew everything and uh, 9-11 happened. I was, you know, horrified and scared and thinking, you know, is this going to happen every day? Is this our new normal and, and everything else? And I bought completely out of that fear. Um, I bought completely into the government and media narrative about 9-11, that the terrorists, you know, bin Laden attacked us because he hated us for our freedoms and that, you know, he hated how uniquely free we were as Americans and that the only way we could stop the spread of radical Islam around the world and their, and their goal to, you know, end all, you know, democratic free countries and replace them with an Islamic caliphate, the whole thing that we needed to bomb the Middle East and, and, you know, impose, you know, pro-freedom leaders, uh, right. you know, that I now know are basically tin pot dictators, but, you know, pro-freedom pro leaders who would bring the Middle East into a new era of freedom and democracy. I, I bought into the new American century idea that, you know, Rumsfeld was pushing. I bought into all of it. I was a, an unironic, across the board, uh, you know, neocon, uh, was never really all that big into, you know, stuff like, you know, just nuke all of the Middle East or anything like that. Although there were times that I would, bomb, you know, bomb, 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 bomb Iran. Iran, yeah, turn it into glass and all that. Uh, but it was more like, no, we're doing this for the right reasons. We're going over there to, you know, to, to, to bring peace to these, you know, these poor people that have been, you know, uh, taken over by Islamic radicals. And when people like Ron Paul 
and Matt Kibbe and, and, and others that were, you know, just incredibly annoying and would keep saying that no 9-11 was blowback, that if we got attacked and, and destabilized and had our government overturned, over, overthrown and replaced with, you know, a dictatorship. And if we, uh, you know, had constant bombings of our country and if we had, you know, uh, constant invasions of our country, we would want to attack them in their homeland as well. And that that's an expected, it's not good. It wasn't good that it happened, but it was, a, it was what would be expected from such a thing. And that the answer is to end the fighting and to end the war that, we, that you know, our government started and how it all led to the Federal Reserve and all that. And I, I was like, <clears throat> I was disgusted. I'm like, you hate America. You, you want the, the Islamic radical, the Islamo-fascist to win. Like I said this stuff unironically. <laughs> and I'm like, you want the Islamo-fascist to win. And, and uh, you know, a few years went by coming into like, I don't know, 04, 05, 06. And I really started seeing that everything they said that would happen in Iraq and Afghanistan was happening. And, you know, the, 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 the bodies coming home in caskets and the immeasurable destruction happening over there and the seemingly endless quagmire and the fact that we were not welcomed as liberators, at least not by the vast majority of people there, and that we were installing some pretty rough figures as leaders in those countries and that they were very corrupt and that, you know, we were helping uh, poppy seed growers and drug traffickers in Afghanistan because they were a common foe with the Taliban and that we were turning a blind eye to, you know, uh, pedophilia and things that were happening among, you know, some of the elite in Afghanistan, some of the, the generals and so like all these different things. And I thought, and, you know, these different leaks would come out that, you know, actually uh, these groups were, you know, and, and I, the more I read and I, I realized, wow, Al Qaeda kind of was started by the U.S. government. And, yeah. oh, wow, there are these new Sunni uh, these new Sunni militias that were arming that ought to end well. And many of them have ties to the Saddam Fedayeen and this should end well. And, and I reached a point where I was angry at Ron Paul and, 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 and others who operated in kind of libertarian leaning conservative circles. And uh, I realized at one point I was mad because they were being proven right. And I was so wrong. And I thought, well, that's not a good reason to be upset. And so I, I spent, you know, I started spending more time, you know, studying the history and, and realizing that they were 100% correct and this was not working. And then that kind of triggered for me to go and, you know, look more into uh, libertarianism, actually first looking more into constitutionalism, actually reading the Constitution, actually, you know, finding out about the history of the foundation of the country and, uh, and then reading more into, you know, libertarianism and, 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 and the roots of that. And that sort of started my transition from being a, a just a straight up neocon war hawk um, and chicken hawk, because I never even considered joining the military uh that was something for them to do um but going from being kind of a neocon you know war hawk type to being more of a constitutionalist paleo conservative to eventually uh working my way to my uh, my final form as it were as a, as a libertarian yeah it's really interesting i i had a similar type of uh thoughts you know, i grew up in the midwest and so that's you know always fairly red and it was just kind of you know just the the thing just the milieu Right. That, um, you know, I, I remember kind of rationalizing the war like, well, you know, Saddam Hussein, he, he kills X number of people because he's a <laughs> dictator. If we can go in there and kill less people and overthrow him, then, you know, but, you know, the numbers. It's almost that, like a cost benefit analysis. Of that, that's exactly what I was die. doing. Yeah, I was yeah, very much yeah. utilitarian before I became uh, very much a, a rights based, uh, property based. Uh, right ethics um of anarcho-capitalism mm -hmm. uh, so 
uh, yeah, it was, it was very much this metric. Of course, the, the problem was, is that I was using facts and figures coming through the mainstream media. Because, exactly. Yeah. You know, and so I was like, Oh, you know, Saddam routinely kills hundred thousand of his own people every year with these secret police and that, 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 well, you know, that's not true. <laughs> uh, you know, who knows what the number was? He's a bad guy. He was a bad guy, but the, the millions, I don't know about millions, but at least a million people. Certainly more died. than a hundred. Yeah. Certainly more than a hundred thousand a year that were dying in the height of the Iraq war. Yeah. And it's just, ugh. yeah. And now similar, you, you just see this kind of rolling again and again, talking about Al Qaeda and then yep. uh, ISIS, ISIS and ISIS yep. was basically formed, you know, through the actions and the support of uh, the U S military. And right. it's just, you know, uh, whether it's incompetence or it's evil master plan, I, I slide on the uh, idea of, of incompetence because I've met quite a few people um, and most people are incompetent and people who are uh, elected tend to be good at getting elected. They don't tend to be good at much else. And that's, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's apologies. That's apologies to you in your running for that is that is their role in the system. The role of the in the republicrat system of 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 patronage and cronyism that they have set up from what from the I guess the ashes of what was a a constitutionally limited republic long long ago uh, is that their job is to pander and get elected, and then once they are elected, their job is to sell the. Uh, the policies uh, and regulations and laws that their corporate crony sponsors hand to them and say, okay, this is your talking point for this. This is going to make us rich. This is going to make us richer. This is going to protect our market share. This is going to open up new markets to us and close it to our competitors. This is going to you know, wait, you know, move the scales further in our, in our direction. But here's your talking points of how to sell this to the public. This is about healthcare. This is about safety. This is about protection. This is about fairness, whatever. And then the politician shows up and goes, this is about healthcare. This is about safety. This is about protection. This is about, you know, whatever fairness, whatever they're told to, to say it's about. That's their role is, is they're basically salespeople um, whose job it is. And, and I, I will say my, my role is, is being a salesperson as well to, to an extent. I'm, I'm selling the ideas of liberty. The difference is I don't have a corporate sponsor, nor do I want one. Uh, but no, their, their job is to get elected uh, and then to sell bad ideas that will harm the vast majority of us for the profit of a relative handful of incredibly well-heeled, politically connected, powerful, uh, cynical, crony billionaires. That That is their role in that machine. Right. So what's your response to uh, people on the left who then say, well, you know, we don't need to change the system per se. The system mm -hmm. is being corrupted, but it's being corrupted by the people that we place there. So if we just place some different people there, can't we just make this a workable system? Right. So, and historically, that was what the left said. So, in this system, the I guess the left or the progressive left would say we need this government to have more power and for the right people to be in place. And the I guess conservative right, for lack of a better word a term, uh, within this system, their goal was the loyal opposition. They would say, no, uh, this government is already too large. We need to just keep it as it is either the conservatives would win and keep it as it was for a while. And then the progressives would win eventually. And then they'd 
you know, they'd make it that much bigger. And then now the conservatives would move up and say, nope, now it's, we can't do any more than this. So that was sort of the role between the left and right rope a dope was that the left would move stuff forward and the right would say, well, let's not make it any bigger. Um, and so it was sort of like the cartoon where Bugs Bunny's drawing a line in the sand and says, don't cross this line. And then, you know, the, the, the Yosemite Sam crosses the line and the Bugs Bunny, you know, creates a new line. says, don't cross this line. That was the, the conservative right was constantly cro- creating new lines saying don't cross it. Now that the conservative right has been replaced with the populist right. Now they're also saying that government needs to be larger and, 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 and just have the right people in place. Donald Trump almost never, uh, he would talk about reducing certain agencies, but he never really talked about reducing the government overall. He said that the, that the problem was he wasn't in charge. You needed the right person, which happened to be him. And that's sort of moving forward what the Republicans are saying now as well. They'll occasionally give very brief lip service to, you know, the founders of the Constitution or, you know, uh, America. But but now America to them is less and less the ideas of a limited republic and more and more the ideas of sort of this jingoistic, you know, mom and apple pie and, and you know, being the strongest country on earth as opposed to being free and, and, and having the government out of our lives. Um, so to your to your question, when statists say to me that, you know, the problem is just we don't have the right people. I have two answers to that. Number one, if the right people was the problem, we would have already found the right people and been able to make that work. And, and that has not been the case. We have seen a constant uh, slide towards ever-growing statism uh, by people that are pushing for more and more government within the framework of, 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 of our charter for this government. So that, that would have already happened. And then number two, if in 200 and some odd years, uh, we haven't found the right person, and your system relies on finding this mythical right person or right people, then I would have to argue that maybe it's not a good system. If, if, if the only way it works uh, is if, if, if the only way your statist ideas work is if the perfect people that ha- as yet have not come about uh, have to come about first and then exist in perpetuity because, you know, no one is immortal. So obviously those people have to be right and then also replaced with the right people who are then also replaced with the right people. You're basically creating a system that isn't substantively different from state communism, saying, which also says you need to have the right people in charge and the reason communism hasn't worked is because we have the wrong people in charge. Well, if your system relies on mythical people that don't exist and never come about and certainly aren't going to exist in perpetuity, then it's a bad system. A system should rely on who we actually have. A system should rely on people's human nature and how they're going to want to organize and what their motivations are. And if it doesn't rely on that, if it relies instead on some, you know, uh, 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 mythically moral people who simply do not exist and never actually come about. And in fact, the job you've created uh, attracts the opposite, the, the sociopaths and the, and the, and the right. you know, the, the, the panderers and the liars and the con artists and the grifters uh, amongst us then uh, I'd argue you created a bad system and that it's a system that needs to be dismantled uh, in favor of one that leverages people's profit motive for good and people's desire to work together with others for good. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is a, I, my little example that oftentimes will bring up and it's, it's an unfair example because it's not very, uh, uh, well, it, it's uh, hyperbolic. <laughs> Like all good Hitler examples are. <laughs> <laughs> like all good violations of Godwin's law. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you, if you think about um, 
you know, just a lot of the anti-Semitism in the 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you take uh, Ford, who was a well-known anti-Semite, um, and you take Hitler, and you kind of parallel them, you know, what, how much anti-Semitism was Ford able to actually enact? Well, he didn't hire any Jews. He didn't, you right. know, uh, but you know, his desire and drive, his greed, his very, you know, people always describe him as a very cruel, uh, controlling person, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and he was extremely competent. Yeah. So uh, thank goodness he was not the leader of Germany because oftentimes Hitler was quite incompetent. Um, but or that he see, didn't run or that he didn't run for president of the U.S. Ooh, because, yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's yeah. a different timeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that because yeah. fascism was all the rave. Yep. Uh, after you know I Italian fascism, everybody on the left is all super excited about it. And, uh, you know, if FDR kicked off a bit sooner and Ford <laughs> came in, oh man. Yeah. Now you got me. Now you got me worried. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a nightmare timeline where we where we join <laughs> the Axis powers because Henry Ford is at the helm. Yeah. No, but but that's a perfect example. You have Ford in a. I won't call it a free market, but in a market environment, even if though there were government control right. of certain levers, certainly a freer market than we have now to a large extent. Um, right. Ford in that market, yes, his anti-Semitism led to Jews not working for Ford and Jews may, maybe even possibly being kept out in a, to a large extent of the automotive industry, at least in its formation period. So it's not a good thing for Jews by any stretch of the imagination, but because he didn't have institutional power outside of just the power of being a, you know, one of the, the main people in the industrial, uh, uh, the, the second industrial revolution that was happening in, in, in America and in the Western world at that time, he didn't cause millions of Jews to be killed. Whereas if he had been in office, he may have wanted to round up Jews. And, and, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a similar way, Hitler, if he hadn't gone the route of seeking power through government and had tried to do something in a free market, he more than likely would have just Painting. been a failure. Um, <laughs> right. Cause he really wasn't all that competent. I mean, like he was a terrible painter. Uh, so like, mm -hmm. you know, th this is someone that, you know, he, he might've had a, a middling business that didn't really go anywhere. And, uh, and, and his, his anti-Semitism would have been even less impactful. You know, no one would have, no Jews would have been hired to his company that may have may or may not have even survived or ended up going out of business. So it's a perfect example of how, you know, bigotry and hatred and racism and anti-Semitism and whatever else is, um, minus institutional power is just a jerk. Uh, who right. who can who who could still have some bad effect for people, but can't actually ruin the lives of you know hundreds of thousands or millions or tens of millions of people as a result. Yeah, and then you you just multiply that with all of these bad actors that have come yep. along, and you you start to recognize that the system itself is the issue. And I think that's what the the ideas of Ron Paul. You really made me take a look at things and, and woke me up like you know as a fairly competent person i was going through med school at the time and when all, or uh, i guess i was in residency and so you know similar to your story where you're very competent you're running this business at a young age you're you know you're surrounded by other people who are go-getters and and so the the idea that I could have been wrong or more that there was this entire 
section of knowledge in the world that I was just completely blind to yeah. uh, was, was, was very surprising. And I was like filling in little gaps. And if anybody, any of the listeners have some areas of knowledge that you think that uh, I should fill in, please send it on over or we'll have you on a talk. <laughs> but yeah, that, that idea that, oh, wow, could I have been wrong about some that fundamental yeah, yeah. ways that humans interact? And why do I hold up some people as having a bit more rights than me or why can i through the power of this ballot box all of a sudden now things are justified which would be morally reprehensible if i would do them myself and so it was it was very interesting to kind of get back to the core ideas of human interaction um and just kind of universalize those well and and we don't you know you, you kind of touched on this just now if we don't have a right to do something, we can't logically confer a right we don't have to a larger group. So if I come to your house and say, give me all your money and or I'm going to hurt you, but also I'm going to provide you with some services from the money I take from you, that's not right. I, that you, you would have every right to either, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, kick me out of your, out of, off your property or, or, you know, just slam the door on me or whatever else, uh, whatever, whatever, uh, uh, you felt was a proportionate response to that would have been absolutely appropriate, uh, in, in the, in the negative. And if me and a, a smaller group, uh, a, a small group of people show up and say the same thing, give us, give us your money or we're going to hurt you. Uh, but also we're going to provide you with some services that we decide you need. Uh, again, and that hey, doesn't good news. There's six of us and yeah. you get a vote. And yeah, oh yeah, and you get a vote. You you get to decide which of us is the one who tells you that. Uh, then that's not you know that, still it, that that's we didn't create a right by having more people. If we show up with a very very large group of people uh, and we've now hired people to say each of these things to you, again, does not make it right. Even if we've written on fancy sheets of paper, even if we put little pieces of metal on ourselves and said, you know, we're the enforcers of this thing that we decided we have the authority to do. We, none of us are, were able to create that right. And if we have an even larger group and call it the government and, you know, write, write out documents and everything else, we don't have a moral right. And, and what I like about the Libertarian Party is that we are a mix of minarchists who want a very minimal government that, you know, is uh, either uh, uh, limited based on the Constitution or just limited based on a concept of, you know, like, like I guess what Bastiat would have said in terms of, you know, what government should be doing, just protecting the lives, rights and properties of, of, of the people under its jurisdiction, uh, all the way to, to straight up anarchists who were like, you know, everything would be best done by a, you know, within a free market. But the what we all agree on is that the direction we are headed is untenable, unsustainable, and causing massive amounts of harm to all of us, especially you know some of the most marginalized among us. And that it is imperative that we stop that ever-growing slog towards increasing tyranny and turn it around and start heading in the direction of more and more freedom. And when we get to there, when we can get to some of where some of our goal end goals are, we can decide if we want to stop there or keep going. But at the very least, we have to stop the ever-growing growth of government, not just in its size and its cost, but in its scope and its power and the harm that it does uh, every day in our lives uh, and move towards it having less of that and for us to have more of that power back in our hands where, frankly, it always belonged. 
you know, libertarianism uh, is kind of a, in a sense, a superpower because you can kind of see things from, a, you know, much more of a, a broad perspective without right. having this kind of emotional connection with any one side or the other. And, you know, calling we're not, we're sides. not tied to the left, right rope dope. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you kind of see how the Patriot Act, you know, empowers government to, you know, become more oppressive, but, oh, you know, they would never use that. And then you see, you know, Obama's administration and now how assassination is kind of codified into a legal framework that, you know, American citizen could be assassinated. So you got torture, yep. then you got yep. assassination. And now, is it any surprise or wonder that, you know, a strong man, Trump, is going to come in and federal you know, troops in our cities and people are sh- are gobsmacked like, that this is happening. This, yeah, and, and 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 it's it's crazy. So especially on the left, but I see it on the right too. People going, the people that are against it, because some people have completely bought into. You know, we definitely need you know, unmarked federal troops on our streets. Um, but the ones who recognize that that's bad, they're, most of them are like, how did this even happen? He's just assumed this power. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, this is stuff that was put in place under Bush and Obama and even some of it even before them. And when we would warn that this was happening, we were told that there were much bigger fish to fry and we had to pass this NDAA or we had to pass this omnibus mm-hmm. or we had to pass this whatever uh, yeah. had to be passed that just so happened to have this power added and Trump's just using it. And I'm not excusing Trump for using it, but he's just a cog in the machine. And and when he is replaced, if he's not replaced with, you know, a Joe Jorgensen uh, and, and instead he's, he's replaced with Joe Biden or he gets another term and then is replaced by another Republicrat uh, in, in either of the Republicrat parties, they're just going to mm-hmm. be the next cog in that machine. And, and it's only going to get worse. You know, when people tell me, uh, we can't vote libertarian in this election. This is the most important election of our lives. And I say, yeah, it's the most important election of our lives, but no more. But but and 2024 will be the most important election of our lives. And 2028 will then be the most important election of our lives because the Republicans and Democrats have created the conditions for an ever growing crisis. They have created crisis conditions for a myriad of reasons. One of them being that every four years you go, oh, I hate these options. They're terrible. They both suck. But this is the most important election of our lives and I have to stop X. I have to vote for X to stop Y. And uh, they did that intentionally. If at any point we felt like it wasn't the most important election of our lives, then we could take a step back and say, I don't like these options. I'm going to go with this, with this option instead. So of course they're going to keep things terrible. That's, That's what gets you to vote for the bad options. And, you know, you can, I can easily imagine, you know, if Hillary were in charge right now and there were uh, some more, right-wingy kind of things uh you know she'd be using federal troops you know that's well within her uh i mean she destroyed libya so this is is, she would have had no problem doing this the lockdown protests would have still happened because the pandemic would have gone out of control because of the cdc regulations that led to the pandemic being out of control because medical professionals weren't allowed to test uh, covid patients for the first two months that it was here would have still happened. So all of that would have happened. You would have had the the, the protests against the lockdowns. Uh, Derek Chauvin did not care who was president when he killed George Floyd. Neither did the Louisville police. Louisville police care uh, who was president when they when they killed Breonna Taylor. Nor did the myriad of other of, of police actions that ultimately led to the boiling over of 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 of, of the, the 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 
police accountability and Black Lives Matter protests. All of this would have happened to some degree or another. Hillary Clinton in office would have done all the same things that, that Donald Trump would have done to, to, yeah. to some degree or another. I mean, obviously there would be minor differences here and there, but for the most part, we'd be on the same trajectory we are now. It, it doesn't matter which Republican you get. Michael Malice says it doesn't matter who you vote for, you get John McCain. And, it, and it's, and you know, it's, it's kind of that, you know, it does, it, Republican A or Democrat B, it doesn't matter. You're getting, you know, you're getting the worst of what both of them promised combined. I think that's originally at Tom Wood's law. Oh, is it? Uh, is it? Okay. I didn't but know. Yeah. I, it, that, you know, it, it cruises all these uh, quippy little sayings cruise over there. And I could be wrong too, but yeah, I, I thought it was malice, but it might, it might be Woods, but regardless, <laughs> they're right. You vote Republican, yeah. you get a Republican and, and whatever they promised you that was good and going to happen. And whatever you were warned by the other side was going to happen. That's bad. That's going to happen. You're going to get, yeah. You're going to get that. <sighs> well, that's all depressing. <laughs> and, you know, the, the other thing that, you know, both the left and the right kind of cheer when you so, sold, you know, I think some of the, I can't remember if BL is, you know, I can't remember what specific group, one of the specific groups on the left mm. was declared a terrorist organization and like the Boogaloo Boys or Proud Boys, something on the right was declared a terrorist organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm clued into that. I kind of pick up on those little things. But most people are like, oh, yeah, good. Uh, declared a terrorist organization. You know, they don't realize the dramatic implications that has. You can now, under legal precedent, yep. you can swoop some of those people up and take them over to Gitmo. Yep. Held without bail for infinity until they die. Without charges. Without, without, without evidence. Charge without charge you can you can round up american citizens without charge without a stated reason that you were doing it other than oh yeah we think they're part of group x no proof that they're part of group x no proof at all it's just what they say and of course unfortunately most of the american public just nods their head and go oh they must be part of group x uh because no one wants to uh, even uh or very few people want to even consider the possibility that the government is what it always does and we always find out many years later that it was all lies and it, because i think a lot of people are overwhelmed by the idea that this government has no problem rounding up lots and lots and lots of americans and holding them indefinitely for no stated reason just because they can and it makes their 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 job of of infringing upon everyone's rights easier that's horrifying and it goes against their what they've been taught since they were little kids which is that you know you can trust the government the government is largely a good organization and it's okay what they do even if you don't agree with this or you don't agree with that politician or you don't agree with this policy overall what they're doing is good and 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 that reality that that's what government is doing and can do flies in the face of everything that we hold dear and it horrifies us because now we don't feel safe in our own in our own homes in our own you know our own right. neighborhoods so being able to labeling for example so the big things were they labeled they labeled antifa uh, a, a terrorist group and then they and then they have threatened to label the, the boogaloo boys a, a terrorist group uh, antifa is not a there, there is no like organizational structure of Antifa. Antifa is a label or, uh, you know, a, a, a label that people will use as like a broad umbrella of anti-fascism. And it includes everything from like peaceful protesters against war and police brutality and so forth to people that, you know, that, that engage in violent stuff and, and you know, uh, uh, take, you know uh, harming people's private property and everything else. Obviously, we're against people that do uh, you know, that, that are violent or harm people's property under any stripe, under any political motivation or stripe, uh, including the government when they do it. Um, but to label everyone within that umbrella, which is a very loosely defined uh, uh, umbrella and mantle, 
as a terrorist means that any right. person essentially who says I'm against fascism could be rounded up by the government as a member of Antifa uh, or just even someone that the government feels like rounding up could be labeled Antifa. And now you could have, you know, some kind of, they could be sent off for extraordinary rendition in a country where they could be tortured. They could be sent to Gitmo. They could be sent to some other, you know, detainment facility uh, where they try to sell it as it, well, you know, we're just, uh, you know, we just have them in this facility while we're trying to question them. And then many years later, they're still there and they're basically just being imprisoned without trial. We, we saw in have New York City. in Gitmo. We still have people in Gitmo. They have never been charged. 20 years. They have never been accused. Yeah, they've never been accused. But we go, well, you know, but they're foreign terrorists. Yeah. We don't know that. Yeah. They are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. And, you know, same, and they've not even, they haven't even been accused of anything. Right. And same thing, you know, with the uh, the radicalized Muslim, you know, uh, that being, you know, oh, we're fighting terrorism and radicalized right, right, right. Muslims. Well, what what does that mean? I mean, that, what does that even mean? In function, you've done is you've dropped a bomb on a 16 year old who is an American citizen two weeks after you killed his dad. Yep. And essentially no reason was ever given. Yep. Like, Oh, he should have had a better dad was the official press secretary yeah. response. Yeah. Like, Oh man, I guess I better work on and, being and, a good and, father. So my done. And now imagine you're a, just a standard issue American Christian in the U S and the Chinese government, I'm doing a Ron Paul here. Cause he would say, you know, imagine if we were attacked by China and the Chinese government does here what the U.S. government has done in the Middle East. They uh, destabilize all of the different state governments here and, and federal government and put in their own, you know, preferred tin pot rulers and, you know, bombed and invaded, you know, various parts of the U.S. Uh, our children fear sunny days because those are the days when the Chinese drones and bombers can best target, you know, different targets. So there's more likelihood of them dying that day. Uh, you know, our, our, our civil infrastructure is, is increasingly, you know, gone. And, uh, and, you know, our, our economy is, is just falling apart, people are starving to death. And a radical Christian group says, this is a holy war. I mean, we want we say it's a holy war whenever anything happens to us. So I guarantee you that if China invaded and attacked us in this way, a lot of Christians would think that this was a holy war. Atheist and that it was China. Atheist China is a yes. Atheist China is attacking our Christian nation, and we as Christians must stand up and fight against them. And in fact, this is the clarion call for us to spread Christian Christianity around the world, so no one can ever do this to us again. That would make us the Christian version of these Islamic radicals. But we were just defending ourselves, and if it had never happened, we would have never been like that in the first place. And if China were to go. Oh, you know what? This was a terrible idea. I'm so sorry. We're going to leave now. Can we can we be friends and can we trade? A lot of that sentiment would go away pretty quickly. There would be a lot of resentment over time, but a lot of people would be like, wow, I'm glad that's over. I'm glad they learned their lesson. Now let's move on. We saw that with Vietnam. We were told when we pull out of Vietnam that the communists are going to come back here on our shores and fight us here. That didn't happen. They took over their own country. Uh, they Now, we, we I believe personally we should have brought the Montagnards back with us. We basically abandoned them. But... Overall, the Vietnamese went, they took over their country. They pretty quickly figured out that state communism doesn't work. They immediately started making some market-based reforms uh, to try to keep their system working, similar to what China and other, other you know, communist and name-only countries have done. Uh, and, uh, and then they immediately sought out trade with the U.S. That's what will happen in the Middle East. The Islamic radicals or the, the, the whomever else will take over, realize their system doesn't work, 
start making market-based reforms to whatever extent that they can, and then want to trade with the most prosperous regions on earth, including the US, because that's how you build your country back. That's what will happen. Will there be people who still don't like us? Yeah, I don't. I imagine that will exist for a while. But this, they're going to come back here and fight us. If we, no, they won't. That never happens. Yeah. That has never had, didn't happen in Korea, didn't happen in, in, in Vietnam. It hasn't happened in any of the places that, you know, that we withdrew from without declaring victory first. They don't care if you declared victory or not. Yeah. They just want to not be bombed anymore. Well, Spike, that is an excellent sentiment, and I think that is a great place to end this interview. It's been a delight to have you on. This is Honor and Ron Paul uh, slash EP29. And uh, everyone get out there and vote for Spike. You know, it, it's, it's important that uh, they get some numbers so they can maintain ballot access. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Ross Perot had a real shot at winning in third party when he was up against a couple losers. So, yep. You know, you're not you're not wasting your vote if you vote for Jorgensen Cohen. So uh, give it a whirl. Well, thank you. You might like it. <laughs> well, and thank you. And and we do believe if we can get Joe on that debate stage, it'll be like a Ross Perot moment. Everyone thought Ross Perot was a joke until he was on the stage with uh, Bush and Clinton, and everyone realized not only was he not a joke, he made more sense than they did. Mm-hmm. And he could, if he actually wanted to win the race and not just upset things for Bush, he actually could have won. He was leading in some polls after that. After that. Uh, debate appearance. I, I believe the same thing will happen with Joe when we can get her on the debate stage with with Trump and Biden, or at the very least, we get way more votes than you know we've ever considered getting before. Uh, but I think we actually have a shot of winning it if we can if we can do that. But folks, if you like what you heard today uh, here, obviously you know if you're not already following the the honoring Ron Paul uh, uh, podcast, be sure to do that and follow it and share it with your friends. Uh, and if you like what you heard from me, I, I encourage you to go to uh, Joe Twenty. That's J O two zero dot com. That's Joe Jorgensen and my uh, my website. Uh, and um, if you're able to make a contribution, that would be great. More importantly, if you're able to join our team and help us on the in the grassroots level, we have a volunteer form that you can fill out. We'd love to have you fill that out and uh, join our team. Also, be sure to join uh, the the Libertarian Party and and more importantly, join your state and local Libertarian Party affiliates. That's where the real battle is happening at the grassroots level. And uh, we'd love to have you join the team. And I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me on, Howard. No problem. And all those links will be in the description. And uh, with that, uh, we'll say goodbye to Spike.